Hi, friends, and welcome to the Midwest Mompreneurs Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Snellen, and each week I am going to be sitting down to share honest conversations, real resources, and the tips to help you navigate motherhood and building a business at the same time. Let's be honest, it's not an easy journey when you want to do both, but it is possible. Let's get to it. I am so excited to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, Taylor of With You Wellness and With You Wine. If you are in the beginning stages of your entrepreneurial journey, if you're just getting started with your ideas, this episode is for you. Taylor has very quickly learned that when she launched her first business that it was not the right fit for her and has shifted to becoming a certified doula. So in addition to talking about how she's building her business from scratch on her own, we're also diving into labor and delivery tips and resources and how to prepare, especially if it's your first time expecting or if you maybe had an experience that was not what you were hoping for and are wanting to change things the next time you go into that delivery room. So I'm excited for today's conversation. We really cover a lot and let's get to it. Yeah. Hi, Taylor. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Um, It's really funny because we actually went to high school together and grew up on the same street. Our parents were on the same street. Um, But our paths really reconnected um, more recently when you decided to go off on your own and launch a wellness brand, which has evolved so much in a very short time. And I think your role as a mom has been a part of that evolution. So I would just love if you could share your background, who you are, what you do, and all of those things. Yeah, so I knew in high school that I wanted to be creative and I decided to go to culinary school, so I did a bachelor's program. So I have a bachelor's degree in culinary arts and business management, and I was working as a catering chef full-time for a company locally here in Kansas City, and I kept leaving work to go to yoga, and there were days where I couldn't... um, I couldn't make it in time or I was just like rushing to get to yoga classes and I fell in love with yoga in about I don't know 2015 ish and uh I was like why don't I just become a teacher and like teach yoga part-time and do catering part-time and so I went through yoga teacher training in early 2017 and started teaching at a small studio in Waldo And then I was doing some just kind of side pop-up classes, and I um, teach for um, another company here in Kansas City um, at Luxury Apartments in downtown Kansas City. Uh, Shoot. Is it my Wi-Fi or your Wi-Fi? No, I just can't see anything anymore. Huh. I can see you. Okay. Well then I'll keep talking. Okay. (laughs) Um, and so through yoga teacher training, I knew that I wanted to make wellness, mindfulness more of a part of my life and in a more professional way. I just didn't quite know how. Um, so I got really practical about it and I was like, okay, I work in catering, I've got a big connection in the wedding industry, and I've got this yoga thing, like how can I connect this? And so I created a wellness brand out of that to teach yoga um, for brides and grooms. And as much as I thought it was a good idea and I was really liking what I was building, I just wasn't connecting with the content, the things that I wanted to talk about. And over the course of this time, I also became pregnant and I had my son in early 2018, well, mid 2018. And all I wanted to talk about was how to be a healthy mom and how to feed your kids healthy and how to prepare yourself for labor and birth. And educating yourself on just kind of some of the misconceptions and um comp like culture and 
in media that were that were just kind of believed just because everybody else believes it. And I was coming across evidence and information that I was like, huh, this kind of contradicts what I've always thought was right. And so I, in 2019, did a lot of soul searching and um, focus was my word of the year. And I tried a lot of things um, on the cooking front and on the just helping moms with with food and that kind of stuff and still doing yoga. And then I always knew in me, especially after having my son, that helping women prepare for labor and birth and knowing their choices and being informed was something that was really, really important to me, but I didn't have the background in it. I didn't have the training. So I was like, "Ugh, Taylor, don't do another training. Um, but in late 2018, my mom and I, who's a lactation consultant, we put together a prenatal workshop and we did a bunch of marketing. We had some professionals lined up to speak. And in terms of attendance, it was a flop. And I, you know, did everything I could that I knew how to do to market it. And when it didn't work, I realized there was a piece missing and it was the no like and truck trust factor, I think for me as a brand. And also, um, I realized, oh my God, this, this is the content that I want to be talking about. Like the fact that I couldn't share the content we had prepared sucked. And I was like, this information is so needed, but people don't know what they don't know and they don't know that they need it. And so I have to figure out a way to get it to them. And so I decided to go to doula training in February of this year. And I am just so glad that I did it because it is such the right fit for me. I could talk about this stuff all day, every day. <laughs> okay. You just shared so much that I feel like we could dig into, but first of all, I think it's so interesting how you started your brand in one hyper-focused area, which was the wedding and yoga. And then you really tried a couple different things. You were doing nutrition classes. You were doing, you tried to do education around labor and delivery. Like you tried so many different things. What was it? What was that fight? Like final push that you were like, I have to really hone in on my messaging because I, I could see you were doing all these different things and it was probably confusing to attract that ideal client that you wanted to work with. Yeah, it was a struggle for me because I, I'm, I'm a seven on the Enneagram and I'm just like a multi-passionate person and I'm just like, how how, how do I do this? And that was the big question of 2019 really for me. Um, and I think it, it was through some trial and error, I think. And you also, you reached out to a lot of people for like advice and feedback, which I think is probably hard to do because you feel vulnerable, but I, I saw you doing that. And I thought that that was so smart because sometimes you can take what other people's opinions are and like, understand what the greater audience is perceiving you to, to offer as a business. Yes. I, I feel like I, I talked to you. I, I know that I talked to some other moms. I joined a mini little mastermind and it was really through all of that and getting some kind of some tough realizations told to me, like, talk about what you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I'm sitting here trying to be so practical, but really I think you have to find that subject that you would talk about all day, every day and for free, <laughs> like that you would just give this information and pour this information out. Um, whether there was a business around it or not and go with that. <laughs> yeah. And it took you becoming a mother and having, um, a very unexpected labor and delivery experience yourself to even get to that point. So I think that there's something to say for like, just starting with what you know and what you think could be a fit and then like letting it evolve and not feeling like forced to stick with the original idea. Yeah, I, 
it was hard to see it in the moment because it was very, very frustrating at times not knowing. But I think you have to do some of the things you have to do some of the things that you don't want in order to get to the things that you do want. And it's not that anything I was doing was things that I didn't like or things that I wasn't interested in, but I don't think I could have found the clarity I have now just from landing on it. Like, I think that I had to get through that. I had to try some things. Um, yeah. And I think so many people not even necessarily you, but so many people just expect, okay, I'm going to launch this business. I have a light bulb moment. And then just expect that clients will come rushing into the door because social media is so easy to just put it out there, but it does take a lot. And like going back to the no like, and trust, like you really do have to build that rapport with your audience and also make sure you're attracting the right audience and repelling the wrong audience. So like, how did you kind of figure out who your ideal client was as you were starting the doula training and everything that you were going through because you did make such a hard shift? Um, that's a great question. I think to a point I'm, I'm still kind of figuring that out. <laughs> um, cause I think it's allowed to shift and evolve. Um, I know, and I knew then that I wanted to work with moms. Um, and I've realized now through more soul searching that I want to work with moms that want to be informed. So maybe that means that you're a second time mom um, and you've gone through it before and you realize that there was a situation that happened that you don't want to happen again. Um, or maybe you're a first time mom, but you have seen somebody else go, go through something. I think a lot of first-time moms especially don't know what they don't know. Um, and I would love to work with first-time moms and avoid any of that potential um, trauma or anything. But I think that my ideal client is someone who wants information, um, who really wants to go past um, just the blind trust of their provider um, and just really go deeper. Yeah. And that's so interesting, especially now, like life in COVID as we prepare for life after COVID, because so many appointments are now tele appointments. I don't know if that's the right term, but virtual appointments or people are being asked to, to wait to go in for their appointments until like key, um, key weeks for, for tests and things like that. And I cannot imagine being a first time mom and not having that access to my provider and not knowing like, is this normal? Like one, I just would feel like I would need so much information. And so the fact that you're able to coach and work with women on a deeper level, um, besides those just baseline question and answers that are provided. I think that that is really interesting, especially as like just health care in general will be shifting in the future. Yeah, this is a weird time. And obviously a thing that I did not anticipate when I went through my training in February. <laughs> um, yeah. So having to like pivot within a pivot has been kind of interesting, but I did a virtual call with a couple last week and it was amazing. I mean, it was literally just over FaceTime, but I really feel like I'm getting to know them. And um, I send my clients after our initial consultation with journaling prompts. So they are to really get in touch with themselves and how they want to feel during this process. And then a lot of our first coaching session is talking about those prompts. And so I feel like I really get to know them so personally in that very first session, whether we're sitting across the table at a coffee shop or whether we're sitting, looking at each other's faces um, over a Zoom call or something. Um, I do prefer like some sort of face-to-face -face contact versus a phone call, but I feel like in our day and age with technology, that's not that difficult to do. Um, yeah. And it's also not impossible if you can't do that. I think that's so interesting. I think, um, especially going back to the first time mom 
or even the second time mom that had maybe a different experience. I don't think people or moms, women in general understand that like you can prepare for labor and delivery before the actual day. It's not just something you show up to the hospital and then it, it just happens. So I would love to kind of hear like, what do you do as a doula just to help give some education around that? And like, what are some of the things that you help your clients with prior to the actual labor and delivery? Yeah. So first I want to touch on what you said about you can prepare for it. Um, because I like to think, and I'm sure people have heard this analogy before of like labor is like a marathon, but I like to think of it one step further of like, not just a physical marathon, but you wouldn't go into a race like that without preparing for it first. Um, and I think people think that because it is something that's just natural, that everybody does, that women have been doing for thousands of years, that it's um, going to come easy. Um, just like breastfeeding. I mean, anybody that's breastfed knows like, yeah, it's natural, but it's not freaking easy. Um, and I like to think about it of like, just like you would bring on a business coach or a fitness coach, or even as a business owner, an entrepreneur, like you might outsource accounting or your PR or something like that. This is kind of the same thing. Like you, you know, birth might not be your zone of genius. So hiring some support is really, really cool. And when it comes to preparing, the first thing I have my clients do is get in touch with their feelings. So um, it is really not about the circumstances that happen during your labor and delivery, but it is how you feel about them. I have talked to women that on paper, like checked every single box that they wanted on their birth plan, but then were like, I didn't really feel that great. Like, I felt like I only did it because I was stubborn, like not because I wanted those things. And so I think you really have to get in touch with your feelings and then your why even behind those feelings. Um, and then when you start to talk about your options, um, you come at it from a place of intuition and from a place of I'm choosing this option or exploring this option because it's going to make me feel a certain type of way. Um, just like, let's just throw out an epidural flirt, for example, because that's a common one. So a one woman really, really um, relaxed and in the zone. And for her, um, an epidural is going to get her out of the zone because that's going to scare her and she might not be able to feel some of the sensations in her body. But for another woman, an epidural might get her in that state of feeling because it is allowing her to relax or to take some of the the physical pain away. So the first thing we do is feelings. The second thing we do is talk about choosing your provider and interviewing your provider. And yes, even if you've already chosen a provider, we talk about this because you can change providers. And I want people to really understand that you are not going to walk into a steakhouse and order a deep dish pizza and it be the best deep dish pizza you've ever had. Like if you walk into one provider and they are really, really good at A, and you really want B, you're not going to get B. Like, yes, this provider might still be able to kind of do it, but it's not their area of expertise. So you have to start asking questions of your providers. Um, and we go over all the questions and all the things, and it's obviously tailored woman to woman, but really, really getting deep and treating it like an interview because it is, they're performing a service for you. Um, and so you are hiring them and you should hire the person that's going to deliver as close to what you want as possible. Um, and then we talk about options and we go over verbiage of things that they might just have not ever heard of before. People might've been like, oh, I didn't even realize that vaginal checks were optional. I didn't know that I could turn those down or wait, what's the eye ointment stuff that we use? Like, we can say no to that. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't to any of these things, but they are options. And we aren't, women aren't presented these things as options. They're presented them as here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. 
And so really reminding my clients that um, all of these things are your choices. Yeah, Uh, that is so good because I remember, and it seems so long ago, even though it wasn't, I remember getting brief, very brief information prior to delivery at a hospital visit. And then other than that, I mean, I didn't really do my own research because I didn't know I should, um, which looking back, I wish I was more informed because I ended up going in for a scheduled induction, even though I don't think my body was ready. And ironically, I started going into natural labor um, the day of my induction. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just go anyway, but my body was still in those early stages of labor. But I can, I just went to the appointment anyway, because I figured, you know, I'm 41 weeks. This is what they want me to do. But anyway, not to go off on a tangent on that. I just think that the point is like having more information. It just, the more, you know, the better, and then making those choices to figure out what is right for you, because there are so many, there's so many things that will happen once you're in, especially a hospital. And it's easy to just say yes, because you want to trust your provider, but sometimes your body just knows better (laughs) of what to do. So on that note, I would love to hear a little bit about how your personal labor and delivery plays played into your motivation to start this business. Obviously you're not being biased in what you experienced, but it did help you as you prepared to offer doula and coaching services. Yeah. So, um, first I just want to say that I think you should trust your provider. I just don't think you should blindly trust, um, any, thing really. (laughs) Um, but yeah, as first time moms, we have no idea. We don't know anything about anything. Um, and so it is so weird. Like I, so when I got pregnant, I, and I think that I had like a little bit of an intro because my mom used to be a doula. She's a lactation consultant. Um, I've got other doulas in my family. So I think I just kind of knew like, okay, let me start looking into this. And I literally just started looking up podcasts. And this was what? Late summer of 2017. And I had no idea what a podcast was. Like that's how technological, like technology unaware I was. I had to Google how to look up a podcast. And so I started listening to podcasts and the more I learned, the more questions I had. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go look into that thing. And then that thing and listening to different people being interviewed. And like, it just was this spiral of like, I have to know more. I have to know more. Um, and so I actually switched providers pretty early on. I was seeing a midwife at a hospital for my annual checks. And so I started seeing them, um, that was like the 12 week appointment. And then I switched providers to a a birth center, um, for the rest of my prenatal care. And they only take low risk pregnancies. And there's some, there's a few things that risk you out, um, of being able to deliver there. And luckily I made it through without having any of those risk factors, but my son was very overdue. I don't think my due date was wrong. A lot of people ask me that, um, but I don't think so. Um, And so at, at the 41 week mark, we were talking, okay, what's the plan if you hit 41 and six and you can't deliver here because legally I couldn't deliver there. They're not allowed to let me deliver there. Um, and so I did everything that week. Um, I do have two blog posts, which you guys should go find on withyouwellnesskc.com. And I, part one is that entire week. So I did everything you could possibly think of to naturally induce labor. And some of them were somewhat more medical. Um, and it just didn't work. Like you said, like my body just wasn't ready Um, so plan B is the birth center sends you to a hospital with, um, a midwife that they have, um, that has privileges at the hospital. Well, that particular midwife was unavailable for me that day. And I didn't know why until after the fact. Um, but so I had the choice of switching back to the midwife group, um, where I started or switching to a hospital with, um, a very family friendly OB. 
and everybody talked very highly of this person. And so I went ahead and went with that choice and went in for a scheduled induction. Well, scheduled at that point, um, at 41 and six that night. Um, it was very slow, very slow moving. Um, and we tried some less invasive um, induction methods to start. And um, I didn't get to meet the OB until the next day, which was kind of hard on me emotionally. And I think my experience was unique in the sense that I really wanted a natural, unmedicated, um, low intervention, intervention birth. And then I ended up and I say that I chose these things because I truly believe that I chose them. Um, Pitocin, an epidural. <laughs> I ended up with those things and they were my choice because the way things progressed, they were what I needed. Um, and so let's see, I was there for about 24 hours when Pitocin was started um, and still not a lot of change was happening. Um, and it was about a day and a half in that I was ready to give up. I was like, just get him out of me. I don't even care. And his heart rate was fine the entire time, which is the reason why I think that I was able to keep moving through it. But because if anything had been wrong with him, obviously we would have made different choices, but, um, he was fine. And so we, um, my mom and my doula were like, get an epidural so you can take a nap. I was like, I cried about it. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. And I took a nap and I woke up like ready to go. Um, had so much support, thank God. And um, my doctor was not really on board with that decision. <laughs> she was not super supportive of me wanting to keep going. I think she was kind of like over it at that point. Like, why is she still here? Not had a baby yet. I don't know. Um, I ended up releasing her from her duties as my doctor and asking for a different doctor on the floor. And over the course of the next few hours with the epidural, I was still able to do a lot of movement in the bed with a lot of help, um, a lot of support. And um, eventually finally was able to deliver him at um, that evening. So it was like a full 48 hours of me being at the hospital. And I was just so, one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to deliver at the birth center was to get people like, like I wanted to be left alone and at the hospital that just doesn't happen. Um, so it was through that and being able to see like how things can shift. Um, like you can prepare, but things will still, I mean, what is it? God laughs at our plans or something like that. Like you will still have things go a different way. And I think that it was through everything that the one thing that I just like really, really held on to was I am making this choice. Like, was this my original plan? No, I didn't want Pitocin. I did everything I could to avoid it. But then at that moment, I chose Pitocin. I didn't have them pushing it on me. I chose to let them break my water. I actually pushed it out like four hours because they wanted to break it so sooner. And I was like, nope, get away from me. <laughs> and same with the epidural. I did not want one because I really wanted to be able to feel what was going on, especially for the pushing stage. And I kept it at a very, very low dose so I sh could still be in control of my body. But I chose that at that point. And so I want that for women. I want women to know that things might not go the way you plan them, but you are in the driver's seat. And control is a weird word when it comes to birth because you aren't in control of circumstances, but you are in control of how you feel and you are in control of the support that you bring into that room with you. And you are in control of your choices. And I just want that for everyone. I just want people to feel supported. Yeah, I think that's so good. And I, I feel the same way because I, well, not to dive too deep into my story, but you know, I was in the hospital for 24 hours and at the beginning I felt like I was just saying yes to everything. And then as I kind of felt my body going through this, this experience, I became a little bit stronger about saying no. And of course, trusting my provider when 
I needed to, you know, I ultimately ended up with an emergency C-section, which was the right thing to do because my son had the cord wrapped, but I did prolong it as it was safe to do so. And I'm glad I did because I still feel like I was able to not force or rush anything. Um, so I think that we have that inner intuition, especially in that time. Like I feel like our body is so powerful and like that mind body connection. Um, I also just think it's important to say like, even if it doesn't go as planned, like you can still have an amazing experience. And also keep in mind that your labor and delivery is one day or two days or however long you're in the hospital. And your journey as a mom is so much more than that. I for, I, for one, experienced a few women in my life that were really pushing me to have a natural birth because they had had that experience. And it was something I wanted and dreamed of. But when I didn't have that, I at first felt guilt that it didn't work for me when it worked for them. And, you know, the thing is that we're all moms and we all have to support each other in our own unique stories. So I think that it just goes back that education and awareness of all the options and making sure that you have that solid team behind you. I think that that is like such solid advice for a new mom. Well, and coming from someone who wanted a natural birth, who chose intervention, I was so happy that I knew about those interventions. I knew enough about them to know how I wanted them to go because you can choose something and there's even different levels within that choice. You can choose to have an epidural, but keep it at a low like, yeah. dose. You can choose to have Pitocin and go up really slow. You can choose to have an induction. And there's a thousand things that can go into that. It doesn't have to mean immediate Pitocin, you know, and bumping it up every 10 minutes. You can have a C-section and have skin to skin and breastfeeding. And I mean, there is so many choices within the choices that people just don't even realize are options. And unfortunately, the way our system is, is things are presented more as, um, here's the way we do things as opposed to true informed consent, which is the, the risks and benefits of doing something. And then the risks and benefits of not doing something. Um, yeah. And what's right for one person is not going to be right for another person. And like you said, the journey of motherhood is so much more than just that time. And I think it's kind of a good, it's almost like a good precursor to motherhood of like, Hey, you thought you had control over this. Guess what? You don't like, just like yeah. you're not going to have control of your kid waking up at four 30 in the morning or your, you know, mine running around the house at like 10 30 at night. So like there's certain things that it, it like gets you ready for motherhood. Yeah. And I think you have to know what you're willing to fight for and really ask for. And this isn't related to my labor and delivery, but one thing that I, I went into my pregnancy knowing I wanted to breastfeed and I just felt in my heart, like it was my, my journey. And I had my son in August and it was so busy with births that week that they were short staffed and it was really hard to get a hold of the lactation consultant. And I had, str I struggled off the bat with breastfeeding. My nipples were like chapped and bleeding. And I didn't know that that wasn't right. And I told my husband, I was like, you will get a lactation consultant into this room before this day is over. I don't care if they have to like come in over time or whatever the situation. Is. And I, I had her come back because I, I was in the hospital for five days. I had her come back two or three times and I kept asking nurses to come in and I found a nurse I really connected with to really help me get my latch down because it took so many tries for me and you know I had to get ointments and all these things, but I really fought for that because I couldn't control the circumstances of my labor and delivery. And so I think that it's like okay to like find these things, not that breastfeeding is the way to go, but like find the things that are really important to you and like really show that you, you need that support. 1000%. And, and I think getting, feel, figuring out what those things are that are important to you and then digging deeper and saying, why are these things important to me? How are they going to make me feel? And if things kind of go awry, how am I going to bring it back to those feelings and and the why that I wanted, like, and I know that that is kind of confusing to like wrap your head around, but 
it's just it, it it is so much more about the why than it is the actual thing. <laughs> yeah, I think mindset is a big piece of it. I think if you go into it feeling it has to be one way, then you're probably more inclined for that to happen because you already kind of like have set that into motion in your brain. And I know that sounds like so silly, but like, I think that like going back to what we were talking about earlier, but the mental, the mental calm and like knowing how to like get into the right mindset is something I don't think a lot of women are trained for. Like we go to all these classes and we learn about certain things, but, um, I think mindset is a huge piece of it. I think it's the biggest piece of it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, because it's, it's so connected. And I think another thing, and this is kind of a sciencey aspect of it in terms of physiolo physiology, but what's happening in your brain is creating the hormones that are actually doing the labor. I mean, stress hormones slow down labor and the love hormones speed up labor and so what's happening in your brain is like directly connected through science um so it's so so important yeah and so, i like to sorry oh no go ahead just one quick recommendation is think about the things that help you now like how do you cope now how do you cope when something happens at work or when something happens in your life that you think kind of went awry or whatever, like how are you coping with that now? Or how do you cope with pain now? And like, how can you take those strategies into your labor and delivery because you're the same person? Yeah. So other than when you bring on a new client, other than kind of like giving that awareness, education, starting to ask them um, those questions so they can understand what journey they want to go on. How do you physically prepare women for motherhood? Are you giving them advice on certain uh, laboring positions or um, different things that they can do? Because there's so much information out there that again, we're not really told always in our doctor's office. So like, what are some of the things that you're sharing with your, your clients? Yeah, so we, I like to let them lead because something that pertains to one woman isn't gonna pertain to another. Um, but we talk about nutrition and fitness and what that means to them. Um, nutrition is actually really, really important. People, it's kind of like the mindset thing. It, it gets put on the back burner. Um, but the way that you're feeling your body during pregnancy is so, so important. Um, and we do, we go over um, comfort measures, not just for labor, but for pregnancy. Because I mean, as you know, like there's some uncomfortable parts of pregnancy. Um, I will shoot them resources that they are asking me for. So whether it's prenatal yoga um, and right now online prenatal yoga, but I've got like good resources there or um, another um, workshop that I took in November was the spinning babies workshop. And I send a lot of people there because she has a ton of ways to not only help with comfort in pregnancy, but also in labor. And um, because right now we're not doing in-person meetings, I've got some um, videos that I'm sending my clients and um, my husband was very gracious to be my pregnant person in these oh my gosh. <laughs> for me. That's amazing. Um, so videos, whether it's you know, they watch the video and then maybe they have questions and we do FaceTime to go over some of these comfort measures. Um, yeah. Because right now doulas are not in the hospital room as we are recording this, which is mid-May. So obviously there's still a lot of unknowns and uncertainty, which is scary for both the mother and for you being this your profession. So like, how do you kind of see the, the role of doulas evolving? Oh gosh, I hope that they are allowed, we are allowed back in, um, but I also really understand the safety aspect. Um, if doulas are taking the, you know, the PPE away from nurses and things like that, then we don't, we don't want there to be a shortage. Um, so I think 
preparing well, people as much as possible beforehand is going to be one of the bigger one of the biggest shifts, um, which is something that I think was needed anyways. Um, and then also partners. So if the partners are allowed in, okay, how can we really teach the partner how to be hands-on? And a doula's job is never to replace the partner, um, even if they are in the room. I like to show partner here, touch her here, or here has how you can do this, or wait for them to look at me like, what do I do? <laughs> um, so I think those two things, and then I think giving her the confidence to be her own advocate, um, and also having her communicate with her partner what she wants help advocating on so that, you know, if she's walking into triage with contractions, her partner already knows that she does want XYZ and she doesn't want XYZ and he or she can advocate for that birthing person. Um, and then hopefully the ones that are comfortable with it will bring us doulas in on a tablet and we can just be the flies on the wall that we would be anyways. Yeah. Uh, because that's what we are. Yeah. And like you said earlier, there's times in normal life where a doula or a midwife can't always be there due to circumstances. So I think it is all about developing that relationship. So if anything happens where you can't have that person there in the flesh, there's other options. Um, so I think that's really interesting to think about too. How, like, are there any other resources or tips you would want to share with someone as they prepare for their labor and delivery? I have about 10,000 resources. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say um, the best way to get started is um, if you follow me on Instagram at Wiki Wellness KC, there is a link in my bio, you can click on to get my top five resources. Um, and that is a great place to start. And I can just say a couple of them that are on that list, which are the birthful podcast is one of my all time favorites and evidence-based birth highly recommend it. It's a podcast and a website, and you can just kind of go in the search bar and search what you're looking for. And then I would say, Aside from just getting in touch with your feelings, really asking questions of your provider, um, find support, hire a doula, <laughs> like shameless yeah. plug, but it doesn't have to be me. Find someone that you click with and really like pull someone in to your team, into your birth team, that this is their zone of genius. And it, you know, it, it is what they know about just like you know about what you know about and I think just remembering that you are not alone in this that yeah. you have support you just have to seek it out and you can't do it alone yeah I think that's so good so talking more about your business um how because this all happened so quick you made the decision end of 2019, you were going to get the doula training and you were going to go all in. And, um, at the same time you were launching a side business with you wine, which is the scout and seller, um, just to bring in that income for you. But there's so many things that were involved in like getting this going. How did you seek out clients? What were some of the strategies that you put into place so people could really understand that you were making this shift in your offerings? Um, I think that in terms of the doula business and really making that shift, um, I mean, I completely revamped my website. So I took down the services that were not in alignment anymore. Um, and I am more intentional and, um, clear on the content that I'm sharing on social, um, I still share a lot just about like general wellness and motherhood, but I, I try to be, um, more, um, what's the word, just more intentional with sharing about labor and birth partic in particular. Um, 
And in terms of seeking out clients, I have a lot, I mean, for me, it is about connection. So I just connect with a lot of local moms and that turns into a client relationship over yeah. time. It doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> um, yeah. Two things I've seen you do really well, like one, you set up a photo shoot with pregnant moms of all different mm -hmm. looks and backgrounds, and you did this content shoot, which would supplement your social media, but also give you a way to connect with pregnant moms that have a platform of their own. So I thought that that was such a good marketing idea as you were getting ready to launch this because it just showed that you were taking it seriously. It also gave you content you would need because we don't have time to create content every day. And I just think that that was a really good move on your behalf. And then the other thing I saw that you did, which was you were sharing, I think daily Facebook or Instagram lives at one point. Yeah. Showing up and not always talking about labor and delivery, but I think it was integrated in the messaging. And I think that gives you that kind of like, no like, and trust that we talked about earlier where people get to know you, they get to know your personality, things that you care about are passionate about. And I think that just showing up, even if no one's watching is like such, I mean, that is huge because it takes time to build. It doesn't happen overnight. And you know, you'd rather have like that quality client that comes to you that you're super excited about and is the exact right fit versus trying to attract every single mother into your, your coaching. Yeah, I, I should get back to doing those lives. <laughs> um, I, it's so, it's just, I don't know. It's so interesting because I, I want to show up. I want to show up every day, even if it's just a little bit. Um, and I had, I, I loved the connections that I made with the photo shoot. And it's weird because I, I don't have that like PR marketing brain that you have. Like, I don't think that that fully occurred to me. For me, it was like, I, need content <laughs> and I, and I hope to meet these women. Um, but it has turned into some really great relationships. And, um, when it comes to kind of set out not attracting all the moms out there, um, but really kind of narrowing in, that is tough from somebody like I, I want, I wish that I could help everyone. Like I, I think we all kind of like want to help all people, but I think the more that I do show up and talk about this stuff, the more I realize that I want to show up for the ones that really truly want information um and because some some people are are totally fine being blissfully ignorant and that is you know really good for them that is their choice um and i don't think that those are the clients for me um and like you said bringing in scout and seller which is an interesting offshoot because obviously pregnant people aren't drinking wine um, at least not heavily. Um, and, but for me, it really makes sense. Um, because pregnant people are only pregnant for a short time and then they're moms. And I don't know about you, but moms need some wine in their lives. <laughs> and that, that business, I don't even want to call it a side hustle because it's just, it's its own business. Um, growing, its own revenue stream is allowing me to be more selective with the clients that I take on um, and not just for me but for them because I want it to be the right fit yes but I want to be able to give my clients my whole self and if I'm taking on more than I can handle then they're not going to get 
the full me. And then I'm going to not be giving myself to my family because I'm going to be on call 24 seven um, to create the income that I need in my business. And I just, I, I didn't want that to be what happened with this. Um, I wanted this to be, I wanted to grow this very strategically so that I can still grow a small family, like a family, I should say, because kids that are young just require a little bit more than maybe school age in terms of me leaving in the middle of the night and stuff like that. Um, so now I feel like if I can take one client or one, yeah, one client a month or one every month and a half, I can really give them each everything that they need and totally pour myself into them because I have a side revenue stream. Yeah. I don't know if that answers what you were talking about. It does. It does on so many levels. And you're not the first person I've had this conversation with because I think that we as moms that are working and building businesses, we really value our quality time with our children and as and are being conscious as we grow our families, if we do. And I think that that is so smart and you're not the first person I've talked to that has brought in network marketing or another business as a way to help supplement that, that business that they're super passionate about. And it's okay to cut back and it's okay to only be, to be really selective on the people that you work with because not only is you know your time valuable and you want to make sure that you are getting paid for what you're worth but also just like having time to just be a mom and enjoy your role because as we both know it goes by so fast I mean your son just turned two and mine is almost two this summer and it's so crazy. It goes by so fast, which this brings me to another point. I just would love your advice and input on because a lot of your, your entrepreneurial journey has been with your son um, by your side. You didn't have help for a long time. He was at home with you for a long time. Obviously, he's home with you again because of COVID. Um, and at one point, you made the decision oh, to put him into But I would just kind of love to hear your thoughts on asking for help, but also creating income while you have your family with you. Okay. This one, I am like, I'm excited to answer, but also I've got to be so honest and transparent that like, I am still working through this. Like, this is not like, I figured it out. Here's the magic solution. Go do it. Like, no, like I am still working on this, especially because of how things have shifted with COVID. <laughs> um, I felt like I was finally starting to get into a groove and then it totally flipped on its head. Um, and I also should say that I did have help in the beginning in terms of my mom was helping me about two days a week. It was, um, it was different, different weeks because I was also still working um, part-time as a catering chef. So I was juggling bringing in some sort of income as well as building a business that wasn't necessarily bringing in income yet. So I would say the biggest piece of advice that I have that I have learned the hard way is don't be too proud to ask for help um, in whatever capacity that looks like. So it might mean asking your mom to take your kid for two days a week. It might mean asking your husband to come home at a certain time so that you can kind of be off of mom and go into your work stuff. Um, Kat, I know this is something that I have learned from you um, and have put into place myself too, is just like being able to delegate certain tasks in the home that just take too much time for you. I, for my baby shower, I asked for funds to hire a house cleaner for the first three months postpartum and I set up a meal train. Those two things were two of probably the best things I could have gotten from my baby shower. <laughs> Um, and I've kind of taken that and brought that in and as, you know, income has kind of ebbed and flowed and things with my business and 
um, our ability to outsource has changed. You know, we've had to drop things off and then add them back in, but being able to delegate, and again, even if that's just to your spouse, but being able to communicate with them what it is that you need, and maybe you don't have a spouse, you know, to your mom or to your sister or to someone, um, because I truly don't think that you can have it all, all at once without help. Um, I think it's totally possible and doable if you are willing to relinquish some control and some responsibilities. Um, and then, yeah, we decided to do full-time daycare when he was 15 months, and that was an amazing decision. Um, at the stage I was in, in building my business, finally having more focus in what I was doing, that is exactly what I needed. Um, and now we are just kind of making it work. <laughs> I think my college age sister is gonna help do some nannying for me this summer because of COVID, because yeah, I need some child-free time to get what I need done done. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we work evenings, sometimes we work get, I mean, for me, it's getting up super early and making sure I'm doing the things that help me get into the mindset to work and um, just being really productive with our time. But I also think that there's something just when you show up and like, sometimes if you do a live, Ozias is running around in the yard or like you're in the car and he's napping and like just showing up is better than not doing anything at all. Yeah. I think, I know this phrase has been tossed around a lot, at least on the platforms that I um, engage in, but, um, and now I'm gonna, I can't even think of what it is. Basically, things don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, just put it out there because nobody else's stuff is perfect either, so. Well, not to motherhood. Motherhood <laughs> isn't perfect. Like, you can have a, like, like, I could have a perfectly laid schedule for the week, and then something happens, and you just, you just got to do what you want. And like, for me, it's prioritizing like, okay, these are the three things I want to do today, no matter what time or how I get it done. Well, you know, just figuring out how I can, how I can make it work with my schedule. And yeah, it's not always pretty. Some weeks I don't shower, some weeks I don't work out, some weeks I do. It's just like you figure out, you figure it out as you go. And this time goes by so fast. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so fast. Yeah. I don't know if it's the last two and a half months. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you have but, any closing yeah. advice for a new mama or a mama that is getting ready for um, a new child and labor and delivery? And then also, can you just share where we can follow you for more advice? Yeah, so the one thing that I left off of the question kind of what you were asking before is putting yourself first. So in terms of delegating and asking for help within that is putting yourself first, whether that is your workout or your hour of me time in the morning or showering alone or whatever it is, like really finding some time to put yourself first. And this is something that I am very much still figuring out how to how to make happen but the days that I do makes the world of difference um and so I just want women that are pregnant to know um or pregnant people um I should say that um you have so much support out there there are so many amazing resources out there that don't take a lot of extra time throw a podcast on while you're doing the dishes or while you're in your car and just inform in the shower. <laughs> no, I do that. Yeah. Inform yourself in the pockets of time that you have and just start asking yourself questions. Yeah. Ask those of your, of your providers and of your support team. Yeah, I agree. I think those first few months, having people to lean on, whether it's other moms that have gone through it recently or have more experience. I just think that um, having a community is so important. So yes. 
Well, thanks for your time, Taylor. Can you just share your Instagram and website one more time? Yeah, so I'm at With You Wellness KC on Instagram and dot com is my website, the with you wellness And yeah, I would love to see you guys there. I show up in my no makeup and my crazy kid in the background, so you can come find me there. I love it. Well, thanks so much for your time today and thanks for being so honest. So I love so this much conversation. Yes. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Midwest Mompreneurs. I'm your host, Katherine Snellen, and I appreciate you so much. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at the Catherine Elise.